Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Nora Zelovansky is the author of Competitive Grieving, a novel. Nora is also the author of Will You, Won't You, Want Me? and Semi-Charmed Life. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Elle, Town & Country, the Los Angeles Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Vanity Fair, among others. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband, two kids, and enormous cat, Waldo. Welcome, Nora. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss competitive grieving. Thank you so much for having me. I'm beyond excited to talk to you today. This is, by the way, one of the best titles, I have to say. Did you think of that right oh, away? Was that like always the title? I did. It's so funny because normally, you know, the title comes later or they make you change the title or whatever it is. But in this case, the title came to me Mm -hmm. first. And I literally said to a friend of mine, I'm going to write a book called Competitive Grieving. And then I did. So funny. (laughs) I love how all throughout the book, you, well, not you, 
the character was envisioning how everybody's funeral and, and every all of that would go because that is one of the many crazy things my brain does is like constantly think about funerals and like what it would be like and da da da. But I haven't done it for like every single person I've seen. So like, what is your vision for yourself? Like, how would you fill that in in the book? And then I'll like ask. Actually, hold on, back up. What is your book about? Please tell listeners. And then I want to know how you would fill out your own funeral you know, details. My yeah. own. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So the book is a dark comedy, an unlikely love story about the main character, Ren, who is totally doing just fine, but she's, the bar is sort of low. She's just sort of like living her life, but maybe not to her full potential. And her best friend from childhood dies suddenly And she is left to confront not just the loss of him, but also the sort of navigation of all of these complicated, crazy relationships that he's left behind. And so the book is really about sort of the desire to be seen in the wake of of the loss of somebody who isn't there to confirm your significance to them. So, So that's what the book is about. Amazing. And so what I was referring to is that all throughout the main character keeps going through. And as she meets anyone, it's this funny, like literary device. Also, you have descriptions of what she's thinking about the person and how their funeral, what they would want, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I was talking about. Yeah. So I was just, it's so funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about it today because I meant to go on a last minute work trip to LA next week. And I had this moment, one of those weird moments we all kind of have, or I guess I, I'd like to believe we all have, not just me, where I was like, what if what if my plane went down? Like, then what would happen? Like, what, how would people react, you know? And so the idea for the sort of describing people's funerals came in part out of sort of that macabre sort of instinct we all kind of have to think about, well, what would happen if I was gone? Who would care? Who would, you know, react? And then also this sort of writerly instinct I have, which is to make up stories for people, like backstories for people around when I see them. So in terms of my own funeral, I have to admit that some of Ren's funeral details are sort of overlapping with mine. As I think like a sushi spread does sound, (laughs) although maybe when you're sad, that sounds kind of not good. (laughs) Like, does anybody actually want that when they're sad? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what like the best comfort foods would be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like a, maybe like a Southern fried chicken spread is more the thing. That's cool. You don't see that a lot (laughs) at funerals. What about you? (laughs) What about me? My funeral? Well, actually I thought about this for a long time at a funeral yesterday and I was sort of going through in my head, which place I would like to have my funeral at in New York city, assuming it was in New York. And I was going through all the different venues in my head and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I was wondering, I don't know. Maybe that's too big. Maybe that one's not big enough. I don't know. I wonder how many people will come. How do people decide what biggest space, how big a space to book? Yeah. But in terms of food, well, I haven't I didn't even think about the after party space slash Shiva, which would probably be like my mom's house. I don't know. I don't know. I think in my ideal vision, yeah, like pigs in a blanket and grilled cheese and, you know, little bites of brownies and just like lots of chocolate chip cookies and maybe a vat of dough somewhere. And definitely, and definitely copious alcohol. I feel like that's just necessary for everybody. Yeah, well, that goes, I mean, yes. 
<laughs> but yeah. Also, your essay, was it yesterday, a couple of days ago for Moms Have Time to Write? Oh, that was so good. I loved it. And, you know, you talk okay. about being on the side of the road with the stroller, not the road, but, you know, the pulling off the sidewalk and, you know, what happens when you get news, but you have to deal with your kids. And, oh my gosh, it's something, again, that so many people are going through right now. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of the book was inspired by a personal experience that I had losing a very close friend. And at the time that I lost him, we lost him, I should say, I had a toddler and I was pregnant. And when I, and I was already having a bad day, it was like one of those days where like, I was already weeping for no real reason. I mean, the truth is it was the beginning of 2017. So Many people in Brooklyn were weeping. <laughs> Truth, <laughs> the, the world felt very unstable, and I got the call. You know, I got a series of calls, and I finally was like, "This is weird. Why are all these people calling me?" And I picked up the phone and got the bad news. And there I was on the side of the street with my daughter, who was looking at me expectantly, like, "What's happening?" And I suddenly realized that I couldn't have the full reaction, whatever that might be on the sidewalk anyway, that I had to sort of modulate it. And it really, the whole experience then of being with my daughter and then also being pregnant and then having a baby and taking care of him and all sort of while processing the loss of this person who was really important to me as a child, especially because he was a childhood friend, was all the more complicated by the fact that, you know, I was also parenting and being a mom to the best of my ability and I know like my husband point was like by the end of that year was like, if I need to, li if we listen to any more like maudlin indie music, I'm going to like off oh myself. My like, cause I was oh like, yeah. Cause I was like with the baby, like listening to like, you know, sad music all day long, you know, it was, it was, it was very soothing in some ways to have that time with like a baby, but it was also complicated. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry about your friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's never a good time. You know, it reminds me in my first anthology, there's this hilarious author. Her name is Liz Astroff. Um, she's also a TV writer. Anyway, she wrote an essay called Mom's Time Time to Cry. And it was all about how she had to keep holding in this big, you know, cry. And every time that she thought she would be able to let it out, something like got in the way until all of a sudden, like it just came pouring out, but it, like this time that she didn't expect. And I think that is something that moms have to do. And you know, you also, I felt like I had to do this back when I worked in like a corporate environment too, just like holding it in, like just shoving away the emotions, which I think is easier for some people than other people. It's not so easy for me yeah. to do that. Like it sort of seeps yeah. out, like, but it's so hard to like delay a breakdown, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. And it's interesting because like not that long after that, my daughter's in the context of something totally different. My daughter said to me, mommy, why don't you ever cry? Mm. And I'm like a crier. So I was like, wait, I, she thinks I don't ever cry. And then within the same like week or two, my mother said to me, well, why do you have to hide it? Like, why do you, why do you need to not cry in front of her? And it, it did really get me thinking. I mean, I do think you want to like modulate things at least so that it doesn't feel scary, but maybe you don't have to hide, you know, the fact that as my mother would say, the fact that you're a human being, right. You know, maybe it's okay for them to know that, but it's, but in the midst of it, it's, it's such a complicated 
thing to navigate. You know, you're just sort of in protection mode. Totally. I think, you know, I mean, one of the things that I found really interesting about your book was how many, how one person's loss kind of like sets off this whole chain of events, right? And, and how you discover things you didn't know and people you didn't know. And, you know, you go through this book and you see why perhaps some people have been kept apart and, you know, whatever. But it's really interesting because when you have a close relationship with someone, you don't often know about all the other relationships, right? And this whole cast of characters, you know, vying for attention in this sort of melodrama world. I don't know. I found it like really, really interesting. I haven't had this experience. You know, I I found that the people who I know who have passed away in general, like the other people I've known pretty well, but I don't know, did this, like what, what rang true? How did you, did this happen? Or maybe you can't say that. Like, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think that there's like a, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about how there's there's, it's one thing to navigate your friend group. So like, if you have like a really strong friend group and somebody, and you guys lose someone, you're kind of all in the same place. But if the person you've lost has several friend groups and you're having to navigate, he has a lot of close people from different parts of his life. And you're having to navigate like his friends. It's such a different thing to try to do that. And I mean, in fact, to an extent, I did sort of experience a similar thing in that my friend who died was very charismatic and had had sort of a little bit of a taste of fame. And there were a lot of people who felt really close to him and felt like they had been very significant in his life. So there was like a sort of struggling for recognition and a notion that like, the person that was being described maybe wasn't the person like you knew. I I always think of there was one instance where a, a friend, close friend of mine actually at a at the bar at a bar after the funeral said to me something about how he was just so kind, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" Because <laughs> I loved him so much, but that wouldn't have been like a word that I used for him, you know. And so that is one of the things I wanted the book to sort of illustrate this idea that like, maybe you don't have to sacrifice the version of the person that you know, just because someone else has a different Mm -hmm. one. Like maybe there are just different incarnations of all of us that are significant to different people at different points in our Mm -hmm. lives, you know? And like, maybe that's an okay thing. I don't know. It also got me thinking about, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but like the idea that like, that sometimes when you lose someone, you're mourning the person they were at the point where they were most seminal in your life, you know? And so you're also kind of mourning different stages of them. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Very true. Mm-hmm. And yourself. Yeah. And yourself. I feel like there's totally. so much of myself that I've lost with people I've lost. Like, not to mention just all the memories, right? Like, they're the only people I could call to be like, what about this? Or do you remember where we were when blah, blah, blah? Like, there's nobody to call. Like, there's... You know, the, the, it's gone. It's yeah, just totally gone. Exactly. There's no one to like confirm your shared history right. together. Yes. And that's like a loss in itself. And it does feel like a hole. And, and in a lot of ways, those are holes that don't get filled. Like they're mm-hmm. holes that you find a way sort of around and you create like, this is sort of a weird way to express it, but like almost like new content in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, but the holes remain. And so that's the other thing, I guess, also in thinking about like, I mean, not, I won't give anything away, but like in thinking about like the ending of a book like this, I think there's like a line where she sort of in letters that she writes to, to her friend who's gone, she says like, you've rendered a happy ending impossible. And it's, it's, I guess I just wanted to sort of reflect this idea that like the holes remain, you know, wait, so Nora, how did you become a writer? So I always loved to write. I always loved, I was like, you know, in a sort of cliche way, I was like the editor of my high school literary magazine and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I loved personal essay. That was like my thing. I was like a Joan Didion head, if mm-hmm. that's a thing. <laughs> I just coined that phrase. And I want, my mother always tells a story about how I was like 15 and she said to me, maybe you'll be a writer when you grow up. And I was like, oh, no way. Like, that is way too hard. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't know how I knew that it was hard, but I was right. Yeah. <laughs> and then ultimately, I had this idea that I was going to work with writers. Like, that was like going to be my solution. And so I did. Like, initially, I worked in Hollywood as like a development executive working with scripts and whatever. And then I worked in politics for a while. And that was sort of like a low point for me. I was, I'm very interested in politics, but working in the actual like machinations of that was not for me. And in that time I started freelance writing for a yoga magazine. And basically I was, I became a journalist. And so I was a freelance journalist for a long time, writing for all different magazines, mostly about like fashion and beauty and travel. And I sort of had all this like weird, rich material that I didn't realize I was collecting, which I guess we just all do, right? As we move around the world. And ultimately I just decided I was, I was sick of, I felt like constrained by all the magazines and their very specific voices and needs. And I was like, I'm going to try to write fiction. I've never done it before. I'm going to try. And I, I did national novel writing. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which for me was like very helpful because it stopped me from stopping because one of the rules is you can't stop. So I just, you know, I couldn't decide like, oh, this idea is terrible. I'm scrapping it. I just had to sort of write through and ultimately actually drawing a lot on my experiences, sort of absurd experiences in the world of like beauty and travel, especially like pre-recession when it was just like so over the top opulent and crazy and whatever went into that first book. 
And ultimately at the end of that, I had a draft that was, as you can imagine, a hot mess because <laughs> I wrote it very quickly. But then ultimately I, you know, I felt like there was something there and I worked through it and that was my first novel. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel really lucky because I, like I said, I didn't, I think there was something special about writing fiction without expectations mm-hmm. because I didn't necessarily know if I had any affinity for it or ability for it. And now it's kind of my like true love, you know, I still do a lot of nonfiction writing, but I love the fiction so much. I mean, obviously you do too. (laughs) (laughs) I love to read it. I don't know. I love to read it. I love, I mean, yeah, I love to read all stories. I know. Well, I, I am distracted by the most beautiful bookshelves in the world behind you. I love it so much. It's like such a dream space behind you. No, I only see it on zoom because I'm always facing this way. It's such a waste. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I should put like a mirror here instead of a bulletin board. Oh, well. Yeah. What are you working on now? Well, fiction wise, I'm working on a new book, but it's in pretty nascent stages, but it's kind of, it's like a road trip story. I think in part inspired by the fact that during pandemic, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I haven't gone anywhere practically. And so, but it's, it's all my books tend to be these sort of delayed coming of age stories, you know, about people who are kind of stuck and need to find a way to get unstuck. And, and it's, it is that kind of story again, where there's sort of a catalyst of that, you know, an event that's like a catalyst for change that puts them on some kind of sort of oddball journey. So generally, hopefully with like humor and I mean, usually a love story because I don't seem to be able to write something without one. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of your favorite books or something you've read lately? Oh, well, right now I'm reading One Last Stop and I just finished, I was about to say The Great Believers, but The Great Circle. Oh yeah. Uh I don't know if you've read it. Yeah. yeah. I have a podcast there if you want to listen. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. I actually really loved Seating Arrangements. Did you read that book of hers? Yes. That is my favorite book of hers as well. Yeah. That was my favorite. This one was super interesting and and it's always interesting to me when you have a book that tells a story from two different perspectives, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you fall in love with one and not the other and, or it switches or whatever. But so I really enjoyed, I enjoyed sort of like the sort of actually like the scope of that book, which is just giant. So that was, yeah, that was good. But probably my favorite book I've read recently was Goodbye Vitamin, which isn't that new, but I just love that book so much. I haven't read that. All right. I'll check it out. Oh, I really recommend it like so much. Yeah. It's just like a very fresh voice. All right. Yeah. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh gosh. Oh, I think, I mean, I don't know if this is just sort of trite and always said, but like, I think just to keep writing, you know, I think like one of the most difficult things is that notion of like scrapping an idea that you started, you know, in the process of writing, there is always at least one point, at least for me, and usually many at which I decide what I'm writing is just trash, you know, and should, and I should just stop. And also periods of time in which what I'm writing is, isn't very good, you know, but I always feel like if you can just keep pushing past it, keep writing and get something on the page, you can always sort of revisit it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the challenge, right? Like those moments of like making yourself actually write is the hardest part. And then I guess the only other thing I'd say is that rejection is a big part of writing and it's really, really hard and nobody likes it, but it's part of it for everybody, you know, even the most successful people. And so if you 
have a rejection, like, and you can continue and you can sort of try not to take it to heart and just persevere and keep writing. You eventually you'll get there. Love it. Amazing. Well, Nora, <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for talking about competitive grieving and for rescheduling. <laughs> thank you so much. I am. Yeah. Just thank you so much for having me. And I just want to say, I am so amazed by all the things that you're doing lately. I am so like fascinated by what you're creating and what you've built. And I have so many questions for you about like, whether you knew you were building this at the start or whether it was just something that sort of came together, but either way, it's, it's really amazing. And it's, it's lovely that you've created sort of a place for all of us as writers and readers to kind of come together. So I'm just getting started. Lots more ideas coming. (laughs) I I really, really believe that. I'm sure that's true. (laughs) Sorry to be so brief today, but great to meet you. No, thank you so much, Jimmy. Nice to meet you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.